Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred, and we got a great show here planned for you today. Uh, it's going to be short, but it's going to be sweet. It's going to be top five positions for edge defenders, interior defensive linemen, and linebackers. So it's going to be a little bit shorter, but like I said, I, I've been grinding through tons of film for you guys just to put out some really quality stuff here, and I really wanted to get this stuff right. So Without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. So now jumping ahead here to the defensive side of the ball, we're going to get into our top fives on that side. And we're going to lead right off here with edge rushers. So edge rushers, it's a really deep class. I think I had at least seven or eight guys in like my top 35, 40 players. So it's a pretty impressive group here. And leading right up, our, our, our number five, de- or excuse me, I shouldn't say defensive end. It should be edge defender for the 2022 NFL draft. It's going to be Trayvon Walker. A little surprising maybe I have him this low on the list. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't like Trayvon Walker. I still think he's like a, a fringe first-round type of player. I just don't see the, the same kind of bend that you'd want to be taking in the top five. Now, if we take a look at the guy's traits, he's on a whole other level. He's like 6'4", 6'5". 270 pounds running four five and just has like these crazy agility numbers like this dude is an athletic freak he's huge he's a great run defender when you watch him on tape they even get him in like some some sub fronts when they get him going against i believe like some guards or inside shade on somebody's tackles uh but i don't really think that that's what you're going to draft him in the top five to do and that's where he's been mocked very recently going by pretty much everybody there's some serious discussion about him going number one overall and, I mean, I get it if you're a betting man and you really want to bet on his upside, which is there's a ton of it. If you can tap into what he's capable of doing, he is 100% worth a uh, top five, top ten selection. I just don't know if I'd be comfortable making that decision based on what I can see on tape. So I still like Trayvon Walker. Don't love Trayvon Walker like some people do. So that's why he's my edge five. Leading right on into another guy here that I really like. It's going to be George Karlaftis, edge defender from Purdue. And the reason, so I was having a lot of trouble when I'm doing these rankings here. And I'm looking at uh, Trayvon Walker, comparing him to George Karlaftis to see who I like more because they're kind of, as Daniel Jeremiah refers to him, in this cluster. We have this cluster of prospects in this area. And I want to, what's the deciding factor why I like one guy more than the other? And what it came down to for me was hand placement an ability to set the edge on a defense from a, like as a natural edge defender. Like I said, Trayvon Walker, all the upside in the world. I don't think he really has some of those natural edge instincts and abilities that Carl Aftis has on display. Now, Carl Aftis, his ceiling's limited compared to Trayvon Walker just because you know, he's running like a 4-7-7 four, 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 seven, seven, and he doesn't have the same kind of quick twitch freakiness to it, athleticness to his game. But I think he's more polished. He's going to give you a High-level run-defending ability, I just don't know if he's ever going to be like a 17, 18, 15 sack kind of guy. This is going to be a guy that's going to get you anywhere from like 6 to 11 sacks a year. Steady, reliable, somebody I'm really comfortable in taking in the the second half of the first round and playing for you early and often. So that's why I like Carl Athens a little bit better. I think he's more of a finished product, and I just think that some of his game is more tailored to play edge right off the bat. Now, my edge three in the draft here, and we're, we're kind of climbing up here now. So we're talking about guys that I had in the mid-20s. Now we're getting into, like, those high teens, uh, like, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. 
And my number three edge defender is going to be Jermaine Johnson, uh, edge defender out of Florida State. Now, Jermaine Johnson is probably the highest rising guy if you were to talk about the end of the college football season until draft day. I mean, this is a guy that they weren't even talking about in the first round. And now it's very likely he gets drafted before the 10th overall selection. And he's definitely worth it. Uh, my favorite, t- One of my favorite tape to- tapes to watch, and I've talked about this on the pod before, was him against Iki Aquanu. And Iki Aquanu was believed to be a, a top five selection, a- the number one offensive tackle, number two offensive tackle in this draft. And they were trading blows going back and forth. You know, Aquanu would win a couple, and then Jermaine Johnson would win a couple. And what really stands out to me on film with this guy is he's got just a motor that never quits. And when you got the athleticism that he's got, he's another guy that's running, you know, high four fives, low four sixes. And you got a motor that just doesn't stop. You're constantly getting after it. And he plays really well with his hands using rips, you know, the, the push-pull techniques, just, you know, some long arm stuff. I really like what he brings to the to the table. And I think he's got a lot more tools in the toolbox to be a, a day one pass rusher than some of these other guys on the list like Harlaftis or Walker. So give me Jermaine Johnson, my third edge defender. All right, now we're getting into some very vaunted territory. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who the next two guys are, but it's just a matter of what order we have them in. And my number two edge defender is going to be Aiden Hutchinson. Now, before we, we, we get off on a tangent here talking about why he's my number two and not my number one, I love Aiden Hutchinson. He's a top five player in the entire draft for me. So I'm not saying that like he's by any means not a very good player. I actually have him ranked as my third prospect. And when I'm looking at Aiden Hutchinson, I'm seeing a guy that literally can come in and play as a starter very well right off the bat. I think he's very comparable he doesn't have the same athleticism that the Bosa's had, but like the style of his game, his ability to play the run, his ability to rush the passer, all of his hand placement, the way he uses his hands in his pass rush moves, how he's able to bull rush, he's able to win around the corner. I just think it's it's kind of next level stuff that you just don't see from your average college uh, college defender. And I think that that's why he's definitely worth taking in the top five. Uh, I necessarily wouldn't take him number one. There's another guy on this list I would take number one. But if you're sitting at number two or three with the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and this guy falls in your lap, you're you're sprinting a card up. And really, honestly, in any other draft, you wouldn't knock somebody for taking this guy number one overall. I just think that the the next guy on my list here is is really special. And that's going to take us right into that. Uh, My number one edge defender in the draft is going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, I know... Everybody knocks him. They say he's got character issues. Say he's overconfident. And someone put it to me perfectly. Like the knock on his personality is that he he likes business and he likes to make money and he's confident in his own abilities. I mean, the, you've heard it from numerous people that have come to the NFL that not everybody just is in love with the game of football. Some people like making money. It sounds like to me that Kayvon Thibodeau is both. He loves football and he loves making money. So, like, who cares? Who cares what his interests are off the field? This guy is a next-level edge defender. His ceiling is, I believe it's higher than Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson has a higher floor than Thibodeau, but Thibodeau's ceiling is, like, limitless. I I think this guy's playing at, like, mid-250s. He could even throw on, you know, 10, 15 pounds. And if it doesn't make him slower, he's still, like, a what, mid-4.5s, low-4.6s, his first step off the ball, 
I think is the fastest in this draft. That's why I got him number one. I think he's got the bendiness and the, the quick twitch ability that doesn't come around very often. This is like stuff that, you know, I don't want to say legends are made of, but this is stuff that is very, very unique in an NFL prospect when you're talking about a pass rusher. And that's why I think he's the number one player in this draft. And that's why I'd be really betting on him. I, I would not be afraid to take him at number one overall and be staying proud and confident and say that he was my guy all along. So Kayvon Thibodeau, edge one out of Oregon. We're going to circle back around now to the interior defensive linemen, you know, the big uglies in the middle. And leading right off, we're going to have our number five interior defensive lineman. And it's going to be Travis Jones out of UConn. Uh, this is a guy I didn't get to till you know, just this week here, late in the, really late in the process. I, I, I'd heard a ton about him, looked really good at the senior bowl. And I, I wanted to get my eyes on him myself. And this guy, I think, is the perfect, you know, a-gap defender in the NFL that you can plug at nose and just expect to eat up the run all the time. This is a guy I would not take in the first round, in the high end of the second round. This is a guy that you take on like day two, you know, mid to late second round, early day three, or excuse me, early third round. And he comes in and he's like right away an absolutely phenomenal run defender. He's drawn double teams. He's he's slicing through the double teams. He's making plays in the backfield. He's holding his own. He's keeping, you know, guys off the second level defenders. And he's going to do a lot of the dirty work for not a lot of the credit. He's not going to hear his name called a lot. But I, I thought it was really impressive. He showed a lot of pop with his hands. And it, it seemed like he was constantly getting double teamed up. And that's and that's a big thing for me when we're talking into your defensive linemen, you know, nowadays is you got to be able to keep them second level defenders clean with how small some of the linebackers are playing nowadays. And I think Travis Jones is your your prototypical two down interior defensive lineman in today's NFL. Now, it's really hard for me to buy into these guys early just because I think that it's very limited as their potential of playing on the field, but I still think that there's a very important role for them on each defense. Uh, which is going to take us into our fourth interior defensive lineman, and it's going to be Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. And this is another guy that I know it, it seems like everybody's really high on him, and I just I don't quite see it. Uh, and also, I mean, on top of it, it's very hard to not watch every single other Georgia defender on that defense when you're watching their film. But Devontae Wyatt, he's a very twitchy bursty guy off the line but he doesn't have a ton of size so I don't want to say he gets bullied he just gets moved off the spot a lot more than you'd like for a guy that's playing interior now in today's NFL it almost seems as though some of these teams are looking for these these really twitchy um, athletic interior defensive linemen that kind of had this penetrating technique to brush the passer so I think that he, he can have a very important role at the next level and I think that He's going to get drafted in the first round. But I just necessarily from what I've seen on tape, I don't think that he's quite that guy right now. But I think based off of his athletic traits, that if you took him in the first round, you could get him there. So I personally wouldn't take him that high. But if someone did, I can't knock him for it. But that's still going to bring him into our number four interior defensive lineman on our list. My third, number three interior defensive lineman is going to be Logan Hall out of Houston, uh, the interior defensive lineman. And when I watched this guy at first, he 
he's got the he's got the weirdest build. I think he's listed at like two ninety, upper two eighties, but he's like six 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 seven. He's this huge dude, and he's he's actually pretty jacked for a guy that's that that's that kind of I should say lean at that size. And you can see right away that he's got some serious potential. And, and depending on who gets him, I'm really interested to see how they're going to use him. Is this a, the type of guy that you give him the Rashawn Gary treatment where you ask him to you know, cut down uh, 10, 15, 20 pounds, lean him up a little bit and play him at the edge? Or is this a guy that you give the Calais Campbell treatment where you kind of bulk him up a little bit and you play him in like that, that three to five technique in a three, four front? Or give him some uh, some opportunity to to rush the passer from the inside, you know, sub techniques, and you line him up over the tackle every other down. I don't know, but I think he's got a role at the next level. He's he's actually really impressive. He plays with a ton of leverage. I really like how he's able to move guys using his long frame, and I think that's really important having that long arm uh, move in your in your arsenal. I mean, it's more important for edge guys, but. He does a really good job of using his length to engage guys and then disengage. And his bull rush from the middle on pass rush reps might be the best in this class, if not for the number one guy on this list. So really like what I see out of Logan Hall. I think there's a ton of potential. And I don't necessarily think this is going to be a first-round guy. So if you're sitting there at the you know the top end, the middle of the second round, and you're looking for a guy and – your team's sprinting in the card for Logan Hall. Don't be don't be afraid because you don't you haven't heard his name. This guy's the real deal, and I, I really like his tape. Our number two interior defensive lineman in the draft for 2022. Now I got a real soft spot for this guy, and it seems like he's taken a very, very hard tumble down the board. And it's gonna be DeMarvin Leal, uh Texas AM. And I know his tape doesn't look at that good this year. I I think he gets moved off the spot too much. He's not a traditional interior defensive lineman. He's another one of them guys that he's not. He doesn't have the same build as Logan Hall, but he, he's got the same usage as him. And I know his pro day didn't really do him any favors when he ran in the sub five. So he's really going to have to throw on some serious muscle so he can start moving guys around on the interior of the defensive line, or he's got to start getting his uh his quickness up and work on that first step coming off the ball. Cause when you looked at the film from 2020, that was what really jumped off for me. He was really able to get off the ball. And there's even, t- there's even some snaps this year where you still see that, but the, the violent with his hands was, or he was so violent with his hands. He had a ton of pop in him. It, he was like one of the, my favorite players to watch coming into the season. So I, I really do still have a soft spot for him. I still think if you get him in the right scheme that, you're going to be able to use them right. You're going to get a really creative defensive coordinator that's going to run multiple fronts, and you're going to be able to use this guy from pretty much anywhere across the front. Get him in, you know, them subsets uh, on passing downs. Get him a little wider on running downs uh, to allow him to penetrate and get a little bit more favorable matchups. I think I think you could be creative with him and get really high production out of him. So Demarvin Leal still coming in at interior defense alignment too for me. Now, the number one guy in this list, I'm, I watched him a few months back, loved this tape, had him regraded as a first-round pick, and then I go back through again, and I'm watching some of these other Georgia guys, and just every single game, I'm watching like three, four different games, and like every game, he's doing something just 
that doesn't even make sense to me. And it's Jordan Davis, interior de- defense alignment out of Georgia. This guy is like, you should not be able to move as fast as this guy does for his size. He, I think he was clocked at like 477 after weighing in at like 345 pounds at the combine, which is just, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, that's faster than some second-level defenders. I mean, that's faster than the, the safety. Paris Ford, I believe it was, last year out of pit, ran his 40. And this guy's got almost 150 pounds on that guy. So it, it just doesn't even make sense how a guy should be able to move like he does. But he's still doing it. And, like, when you bring that to the table as big as he is, I'm hoping he can keep his weight down to, to keep him on the field as an every-down defender. I don't want to see teams use him as, like, a two-down run stopper. I want to see him move the pocket because that's that has a ton of value in the NFL nowadays. And if you're able to move the pocket and collapse it from the middle, you're going to flush it out to some of these bigger, higher-name you know, pass rushers. So a guy, like a team like the Chargers, who now have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa coming off the edges, imagine collapsing the pocket with a guy like Jordan Davis and flushing quarterbacks out. You're chasing them right into these guys. So it, it has a ton of value in the NFL. And I don't even have to tell you what this guy does in the run game. He just eats running backs right up. There's, he's almost unblockable in film. So Jordan Davis, my number one interior defense alignment and one of my favorite prospects to watch in this draft. And now that's going to take us to my favorite position to scout. Uh, I, I feel like I, when I watch linebackers play, I think it's really easy for me to see what, what's going to be able to translate, translate to the next level, being able to cover, cover in space, being able to have that quick twitch, uh, quick twitch mentality where you stick your foot in the ground and go and react to the play, or be able to read and diagnose plays faster than the people around you and really stand out on tape. So leading right off here, we're going to get our number five uh, linebacker, or excuse me, off-ball linebacker prospect. It's going to be Quay Walker out of uh, Georgia. Uh, Walker looked really impressive. I shouldn't say really impressive on film. He looked really athletic on film to me, and that's that's what I'm betting on his upside. And there's some other guys in this draft that looks really super athletic. You know, Leo Chanel, really super athletic. He's huge. He's fast. But what I like from Walker over over these guys is he had a little bit more instinctual uh, or instinctiveness to him, I should say, where he's able to kind of fight off some of these blocks, filter his way down the line, sniff out the ball, make the play at the line of scrimmage. Whereas I didn't feel like Chanel had that as much. I felt like he was more so like fighting guys down the line of scrimmage. He's making the play at, you know, two to three yards. It's important to make those plays at the line of scrimmage and not four or five yards behind it and just, you know, add another tick in the stat sheet as a tackle. But I, th- I still think he's got some room for improvement. I don't think he's quite there. I don't think he's quite as downhill. I know Georgia blitzed their linebackers a ton. So it, it was really hard to get a read on it sometimes as to what he's reading and if he's actually reading the right things and reacting the way he should. But I still liked what, enough what I've seen on tape that if, if you're looking for a linebacker at the bottom of the second round, you know, Quay Walker might be your guy, and he might be able to come in and start for you right off the bat. Now, my number four linebacker, I didn't get to this guy until just this week, and I didn't have high expectations going into it just because he's not from a a Power 5 program here. He's not even from a big program at all. But when you turn on the film, it starts off a little slow, but then as soon as the game starts rolling along, I think this guy's on on every tackle, and it's going to be Troy Anderson from Montana State. Now, everybody knows the story of Troy Anderson. He's played some running back at college, played some quarterback at college, flips to the defensive side of the ball, becomes defensive player of the year for their conference. And 
Didn't know if I wanted to buy the hype. Watched the South Dakota game. Had a really slow first, like, one or two drives. And then pretty much from there, I know he makes every single tackle. So <laughs> uh, check the box where you dominate competition at a lower level. Then he comes to the Senior Bowl, lights up the Senior Bowl. And when you, ter- when you watch him on film, he's this super – he's almost kind of lanky to him where he's like 6'4", but he's so fast. You can see that the, he's got this skill position in him from when he played you know, his running back days and played some quarterback. I think he even played some wide receiver at some point. But you can see that in his game. He runs really fast. He can play sideline to sideline. I'd like to see him get a little bit more in- instinctive, but I think that's just – going to come with playing the position more because you can still see it he, he has a really good uh, goal line or short yardage stop where it, they kind of run like a misdirection where they're, they're faking it inside they flip it outside to a running back and he sniffs it out right away he knows exactly where it's going so it's, it's almost like as the game goes on he gets more and more instinctive and I think that's only going to work out more for him as he keeps playing the position so based on what he's got for traits and his size and what he's put on film so far, I'm definitely comfortable taking this guy. I, I almost would prefer to pass on guys in the first and second round and get a guy like Troy Anderson at you know late second, mid-second, or early third. So I think teams need to be higher on him, and he's one of my favorite watches uh, this draft season. My number three linebacker on tape is going to be Christian Harris. Uh, Christian Harris was really, really highly touted coming into the season I remember I watched him preseason and I really wasn't all that impressed and it kind of filtered over into basically what I watched this year I think that he's a he's a really good sideline to sideline defender I think he's got really good athleticism but I don't think he's downhill enough for my taste I think that he's got enough athleticism that you're going to be able to get him in space and coverage and he's going to be able to, to run with some tight ends and run with backs out of the backfield but to be a truly elite you know, playmaking linebacker, I believe, you got to be able to play downhill. And I just didn't quite see that in his game. Uh, he is able to, you know, lay the hit stick on guys when he wants to. I just, I don't see it often enough and impactful enough to make a decision on taking him too early. Uh, that mid-second round, once again, is going to be the, the sweet spot for linebackers this year. Uh, you're going to be able to get a very quality starter guy. And I think uh, Christian Harris kind of fits that bill i just don't think he's going to have the all pro potential that you see guys go in the first round half my number two linebacker in the draft is going to be nicobe dean out of georgia uh nicobe dean another one of them guys i tried watching georgia and if it wasn't jordan davis jumping off the film it was nicobe dean i remember watching and like they're dumping the ball off and also there's a there's a cluster of dudes and who's getting off the pile last it's nicobe dean every time all right, oh, he's blitzing, quarterback flushes the pocket, oh, another, another you know, scrum, another pile, who's getting off the top, oh, 17, yep, N'Kobe Dean, like, th- this guy's everywhere, he's got perfect instincts, he's, he really brings it as a blitzer, I was really impressed, like, he's really able to run through guys and use his hands to kind of shed through somebody's bat, or somebody's lineman, to really get where he's wanting to go on, on blitz tracks, uh, the number one thing that's going to really hurt him at the next level is his size. Honestly, like I know he plays a lot bigger than he looks, but when you look at him compared to like Quay Walker and some of these other guys on Georgia's defense, he looks really, really like squat, really small, like 5'10", 5'11". 
So it's good that he has the next level instincts that are really going to be able to play into the next level and help him out where he's able to kind of find these plays and make plays and just have this natural fit at playing linebacker. But your, your ceiling's limited when you're that small, especially in today's NFL where you get some of these lankier and some of these taller, some of these guys that are able to run with tight ends down the field and play some of these more athletic guys that are attached to the line of scrimmage or just able to do a lot of different things. And just he plays very stiff, very squatty, and he doesn't play bigger than his size, which is a little concerning to me. I think the instincts and blitzing package that he's going to bring to your team and the leadership he's going to bring to your team alone makes him a very, very worthy prospect. And maybe you can develop him as a, you know, as a zone coverage drop type of linebacker in the future. Or maybe you can coach him up enough to where he's able to cover some of these backs out of the backfield. I just don't like his size enough to where I think he's going to be this truly elite next level prospect. And that's going to take us into our number one linebacker in the 2022 NFL draft. And it's going to be Devin Lloyd uh, out of Utah. And I think that Devin Lloyd is a very special player in this draft. I think he is the complete package. Uh, if you don't follow Connor Rogers on Twitter, uh, he's with Bleacher Report. He does a podcast for the PFF and the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. Make sure you're following along him. He's always sharing a really, really quality, high-quality stuff. But he had a really good one of Devin Lloyd, I believe it was as a pass rusher the other day, where they lined him up on the line of scrimmage. And he has one of the more impressive rip-inside moves I've seen. And like it was almost kind of like Micah Parsons itch, excuse me, Micah Parsons ish, and Micah Parsons. It's really hard to compare a guy to him, just because that that's expectations you're not going to live up to. But he kind of has a little bit of that in his game, and I I kind of liked Devin Lloyd a little bit better off ball when I was watching him. Because I, I even said it last year, Micah Parsons, some of his best reps were at edge defender or, you know, rushing the passer. And look what he did at the next level. He looked really good rushing the passer. Devin Lloyd's best reps are off ball where he's able to diagnose the play and make an unbelievable run and, and make the tackle behind the line of scrimmage but on a, like a wide zone play away. And on top of it, he's much better in coverage than I thought than Micah Parsons was at this point in his career last year. So I don't think that that's a fair comp just because they, they have very different styles of play, but their versatility and what they're able to do at all three levels, you know, rushing the passer, playing the run, playing in coverage, they're very similar in that aspect. It's just a matter of who's better at what and who's better at the other is where they differ a little bit more. So Devin Lloyd, our number one linebacker in this year's NFL draft. So we did it. We got through three more position groups, only two more to go. We're going to go through cornerbacks and safeties uh, on next week's pod. I know the cornerback class is loaded, so you're going to make sure you, you follow along. Make sure you subscribe. That's going to be one that you're going to want to catch. And then the, the safeties, it's loaded, guys. There's five or six guys that could go at the tail end of the first, beginning of the second. So really interested, really excited to dive into that.
So that's going to be it for this pod this week, guys. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a short and sweet one. I didn't have a lot of stuff uh, dialed up for you here. I've really, really been grinding the film. I was really getting behind there for a while, and I really wanted to make sure I put enough quality stuff into this for ranking these guys and really putting that out into the NFL Twitter verse and NFL podcast verse. So make sure you stick along or stick around, subscribe, come back next week. Top five cornerbacks, top five safeties. We're going to have a mock draft queued up for you to go through on the, on the pod. And then guess what? We're a week out start next Thursday. So really important. You guys come back. We're going to have a great show for you until then. We'll see you next week.